Hello, it's us. I'm Melody Hansen, Editor-in-Chief, and next to me is Lynn Wachgen, Managing Director of the Lützebäuer Journal. Why can you listen to this podcast for free? Well, we want to give you a sample of what we do. Did you know that you can read or listen to all of our articles in French, English and German? Even our podcasts are multilingual. We do slow news for everyone living and or working in Luxembourg. And we don't bombard you with news. Instead, we present you with the full spectrum of issues that really matter. Whether it's personal stories, politics, culture, finance and everything in between. And now, enjoy the episode. We get back to you later. Luxembourg Waffle with Nora and Theo. Hello everyone and welcome to the Luxembourg Waffle podcast where we chat about the multicultural aspect of living in Luxembourg. I'm your expat host Theo and coming straight out of the south of Luxembourg is Laura, my co-host. Laura, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. It's not raining so I'm really happy about yeah. the weather. <laughs> we expect it to be vintage Luxembourg with some rain right around here in the center of Luxembourg. Uh, but we're having a nice stroll, actually. And we're on our way to meet our mystery guest. So stick around to see who that is. It's going to be exciting. But first, before we get to that, um, I have a question for you, Laura. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many expats people do you have in your close circle of friends? I actually have maybe like two or three only. Okay. Um, yeah, because I feel like expats tend to stick around the capital. And since I'm from the south, um, I live with a lot of foreigners, but I'm not sure if they're considered expats. So it's a lot of Portuguese people, but in the third generation, um, Italians. So expats, mm. I have one Mexican uh, girl or woman mm. and then one Turkish. And I think that's where it already stops, <laughs> actually. Two is already okay. I was expecting you to tell me none. Um, but I mean, you're a journalist after all. So it makes sense if you were maybe working in another field, it would have been a bit different. Mm-hmm. I have to say at the start when I moved here, because I moved here three, four years ago, at the start I only had expat friends. As things started to develop, I have mostly in my close, close circle, I have people who are locals from here, actually. Mm, that's nice. Which is uh, interesting, yeah. But let me, um, yeah, here's a story, actually. <laughs> I was sitting in a cafe a few days ago with a friend of mine. She's a Portuguese-Brazilian, and she's one of my oldest friends here in Luxembourg. And I introduced her to a, another friend of mine who is Luxembourgish. And her reaction was, oh my God, a Luxembourgish person, which is actually kind of remarkable. <laughs> in Luxembourg, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, what a shock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because she's been living here for... Uh, four years or so and it's it, it was a bit of a, sh- of a strange reaction but it's not I don't think that's uncommon you, no right yeah. I'm not wrong no I actually sat down and googled a bit this morning uh, because I was not too familiar with expat community before so I immediately if you google expats Luxembourg you find hundreds <laughs> of groups and communities and networks online so and also on Facebook lots of groups so uh, yeah i figured that people tend to check out the local communities or like the communities Mm. that are already there of their nationality or field. Uh, And so, yeah, I guess they kind of stick together, especially if they're coming for work, which is, I think, the case for most people that come as expats to Luxembourg. For sure. So they may, yeah, start 
spreading their social environment in the yeah business area and find that there's many experts there too. Mm. So yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're, for example, most people who work in Luxembourg, obviously, the in work in the financial sector because that's the most uh, developed one and for the expats they often move with the same company that they were working in before so i know plenty who um used to work in the uk they move here in the uk they speak english they probably don't speak french or luxembourgish and uh, it's very easy to just slip into that thing especially if uh, you work in kirschberg maybe you live in kirschberg as well uh, it's not that hard to slip in there but why do you think that happens why do you think they just slip in there and they they don't come looking for you guys <laughs> i think we're hiding if you consider that luxembourg has like 170 different nationalities and mm. half of the population is not luxembourgish uh, it's probably easy to find non-luxembourgish people uh, and especially yeah if you stay in the business areas uh, i guess the chance of meeting other people that speak english and going straight to them instead of someone speaking luxembourgish or french or whatever um yeah so i think that's the reason um and yeah i think it's just a social thing to go where your group is yeah actually tell me uh do you feel like luxembourg is a good place for expats or not i was about to say yes but then i read something this morning online uh so it's an article Uh, of a study that was released in July saying that Luxembourg ranked as one of the worst countries for expats actually so out of 52 countries listed it was it made place 48 so it's really bad mm. Mm, I didn't expect that <laughs> no me neither uh, but it makes sense if you check out the living costs here so I think if you're like a specialist in some field you may earn enough to uh, keep up with that but for locals already it's tough right now I guess And as an expat, if you come here, the living costs are really high. So I guess that's the main reason for a result like that. But it was kind of shocking. It, it's a bit shocking. I mean, with studies like that, it's always, of course, the question of what criteria do mm, they look into exactly. for that. Maybe there are other studies that place Luxembourg a bit higher. But I, I remember that one that you mentioned because there were a couple of articles about it earlier, um, a few months ago, actually. And maybe... If if they don't focus on the on the uh, financial element yeah, of that, it's different. maybe it would be better. But I'm not sure which ones would. Do you remember any of the ones that were ranked higher compared um, to Luxembourg? Yeah, I actually let me check my notes. I have sneaky notes here. So the best ones were Mexico, Indonesia, Spain, and Portugal. Funnily, oh. since so many Portuguese people come to Luxembourg, so right. should ask why it's that way. Maybe we should go to Portugal. Yeah, actually, maybe the weather is the nicer. Other. That's for sure. I mean, that's already one yeah. very compelling reason to go. But there. But I think Luxembourg may be a good spot because it's such an international hub. So you will find from whatever country you come from, from whatever nationality, we'll find a community here. And people speak many languages, which helps, of course, uh, if you want to integrate and get in touch with people. So I think that might be a good, like from a social point mm. of view, that's certainly a plus for Luxembourg. Yeah, I, th I think so too. I, th I think so too. And do you know what, Laura? I think we're pretty close to Conrad. Yeah. So why don't we... Uh, just get to it uh, I <laughs> think we shouldn't it. keep our uh, listeners waiting and get into Conrad yeah. and get to our interview with our guest in just a moment right and here we are arriving at our table Hello. with our guest 
And hello, Alexander Petrikov. Hi, guys. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Nice How are you, you doing? I'm, I'm good. How are yourself? Yeah, good. We made it. <laughs> we, we did make it finally. And uh, you prefer Sasha, right? I think Sasha would be easier for everyone. I think you have to explain that one because not everyone will understand why we're switching names with you. <laughs> sure, it's uh, my favorite topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's a conversation starter, to be honest, most of the time. So Alexander is official name uh, in Eastern Europe, and it's uh, for the men or for the female as well. And Sasha somehow derived from that. Uh, I was actually looking at the story, how did it come from Alexander to Sasha? Yeah. And it was just uh, during the Tsar era, Nikolai II, they were playing with the word. So Alexander, Alexasha, Alexasha, and it came to Sasha. So they were just playing with the different diminutive forms of Alexander. Okay. And somehow it came to Sasha, which is pretty bizarre and <laughs> pretty opposite spectrum, but came to Sasha. And up there. Okay. Yeah, because I think to foreigners, it's not straight away obvious, the, the, like the link between those names, because here it's Sasha can be used for women and men. It's like a name in itself so yeah absolutely i mean but it's, it's, it's the same for ukrainian sasha is men and female male and female name so it's both it's just in ukrainian we use o as alexander and in russian and the rest of the world i think they use a yeah so so that's that's the difference so that's a bit right right so that, that's your conversation way. starter then that's our way yeah. the icebreaker <laughs> that's, that's the icebreaker okay. yeah. so we already established that you're from ukraine um but how long did you, have you lived here in luxembourg then uh, Luxembourg, five years in January 15. Uh, so in 15 days from now, I'll be five years officially in Luxembourg. Uh, and totally, it's about 12 years. Right, since so, you've so, left uh, So, so I left when I was 19, turning 20, something like that. And uh, I left the UK to study for the first year. I also used to study in Ukraine. So like the reason I left is I felt my education was not good enough. Uh, I studied in journalist faculty. So ah, we have <laughs> so, something in common here. Yeah, back in the days we would be in common and I was doing PR and advertising. Um, but at some point I felt like, okay, education is not strong enough. I went to visit some of my friends in UK. So how they do the case studies and, you know, a bit more practical and more real world experience. So I convinced my family and they passed the exams and I went to restart my education. So after the UK, what, what, where did you go after the UK? Because there's, there's a big gap there. That. Yeah, I'm wondering true. what that is. That's true. So UK was one year I finished. And at the same time, like I said, I was studying in Ukraine. So I finished my bachelor as well there. And so I, I had a bachelor and my, my dad said, okay, UK seems like a bit tough case. And I have my friends in Netherlands. They seem to get the nationality easier. Uh, and you have a bachelor. So why don't you enroll in master's? Uh, so, so I enrolled in master's in a small business school in uh, Utrecht. In the Netherlands. Yeah, in the yeah. Netherlands, mm -hmm. in Utrecht. Uh, that's where I met my wife and we stayed in Utrecht uh, for the next five years. Right. Uh, in the meantime, also, just before I graduated, I did some stint in Belgium. So I did my, I did internship in Brussels in, in one of the NGOs. So it was pretty cool for six months. Uh, really nice experience. Uh, okay. You've been a globetrotter. Yeah. yeah. So, so I did the Benelux. Basically, I complete all the Benelux. Okay. Good. That, that's a good. Uh, that's a good achievement to have done already. There. I think. I think that's a good. <laughs> if I can one, be proud two, of that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not bad. It's See not lots bad of places. Yeah. So you studied in in the Netherlands, but did you work there? Did you live there for a while? Yeah. So study was uh, let's say eighteen months plus. I did some mistakes in my education so it was a bit longer uh, it's nice to study <laughs> yeah well yeah uh, and yeah i worked for i think two and a half years 
So I, I found my first job uh, and it was the only job that I had. And I was looking for a new job. I was wanted to switch the career path. I was like a data analyst in a big automotive company. Uh, and I was wondering if I do something digital. So I did the yeah. digital certification, uh, digital marketing uh, specialist, was looking for a job. And then the offer came. Uh, from Luxembourg Ooh. for exactly the same job that I did that I didn't like. <laughs> um, did you know anything about Luxembourg at that time? <laughs> we actually visited uh, for Easter. Uh, we rented the car when we were in the Netherlands. We came to Vianden. Oh yeah, nice and castle. Then, <laughs> and then we came to one of the restaurants. It's a Spanish restaurant. It's under the bridge in not far from Grund. Uh, not even Grund, we're not, not Clausen, yeah. yeah. It's actually next to the student hostel or something like this. Mm -hmm. So your first impression of Luxembourg was you visiting here as, uh, as a tourist? Yeah, basically. exactly. exactly. What, what did you think about the Luxembourgish people? I don't think I met that many, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, no, we were in the car most of the time, right? So we were in Vianden Castle with a bunch of tourists and then we came to the city, walked around. Uh, I can't remember how the city looked like, but the restaurant was okay. And, and again, it was a Spanish restaurant, so uh, so you, you don't really meet many people. Um, but I the, the nature was why it's nice. Luxembourgish people, I didn't met at that time. So, yeah, Well, I guess you had to meet them after when you moved in uh, anyways. A bit, a bit more, yeah, a, <laughs> yeah. Bit, a bit more. It's still Fair kind point. of a like, rare find. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we are, we are. It we is. talked about that before. <laughs> we did. We thought about giving you some impressions of Luxembourg through our language because it's something most expats never really or rarely learn or get in touch with, I figure. I don't know if you speak any Luxembourgish. Oh, I will keep it a secret. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> mm, we'll find out. We'll find out. Some more ginger beers and we'll find out. So actually, I brought you two or three expressions and phrases that, uh, yeah, we use a lot and that I like a lot. Uh, and I realized while looking them up that we have a thing for kitchen racks and cloths which is really weird to speak out loud but yes yeah, so we have one where we say um, which probably sounds like complete nonsense to you I don't know if you've heard any of the words in it can you repeat it again yeah no I've never heard this no? one okay so translated word by word it actually means uh, someone danced like a kitchen rack on a stick It's <laughs> a really weird oh, so thing bad. to say. No, it's is a good, it good thing. It's oh, when it's you've good. been partying really hard and you've been giving it all while dancing. So, <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, there, there's always some expressions in every language. I'm, I, unfortunately, I'm terrible in this one. Trying to remember the Ukrainian expressions, alternatives. Um, Yeah, I mean, if it makes sense, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds, because you did it so fast, it sounds yeah, complicated, but... Uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's words that you... It, it sounds weird. It's like a weird word for cloth, but yeah. And the funny thing is, we have a second one that's related to that one also, uh, which is hoodle of hots, which literally means hoodle is like a dirty kitchen rack. And it means if you've either been really drunk and wasted and you wake up in the morning with a huge massive hangover then you're hoodla thoughts so you're just all over the place or it can also mean something that's useless or broken so you use the same word for people and objects <laughs> okay so what we have is well, this one second i can relate a bit more ah, <laughs> found <laughs> be, something. Be, 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 because drunken we have an express uh, expression drunken into the shoe sole 
and the piano is telco. So meaning like you're flat, laying flat normally, or like a shoe, shoe sole, you know, which is flat. So so that's how you're drunk and flat. So you're so drunk that you lay flat, you cannot wake up. Can so. you repeat it, like the original phrasing? Uh, piano stelko. Piano stelko, okay, nice. What? I remember stelko. that one for next time I'm hanging out with my Ukrainian friends. Yeah, for you it's easier than for me. I have yeah. to write it down. <laughs> it is, it is. Do you have any more? Um, I have. Uh, maybe one that you can use. It's not a typical Luxembourgish, Luxembourgish um, thing to say. It's Yenish, which used to be like an old dialect in Luxembourg that no one really speaks anymore. But we have kept some expressions because they're funny. And one comes from merchants passing through um, Luxembourg. I don't know how it ended up here, but it's called Kufschmul. And any Luxembourger you will talk to, if you say Kufschmul. Kufschmul. They will know it. It means shut up. <laughs> shut up. Okay. So Kufschmul is something... No. You could remember. No, my teacher didn't teach me that yet. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th I think it's not a good thing to learn in, in Luxembourgish class to tell your teacher <laughs> to shut up. So. No, probably not. <laughs> it should be the other way around. Open up your mouth <laughs> yeah. and speak up. <laughs> true, true. But yeah, that's one. That one might be easier to remember. Kuftrmul. Okay, that's a bit easier. Yeah. So yeah, small vocabulary. Yeah, thanks here. for that uh, crash course in uh, Luxembourgish. Uh, expressions. Uh, I'll try to remember one of them, or at least I remember what they mean. So maybe if I'm hanging out with Luxembourgish people, they can tell me if, yeah, they can reaffirm if yeah. that's true or you just made it up because we don't know. Ah, you just made it up. You may never uh, find out. Yeah, exactly. I need to <laughs> hang out with more Luxembourgish people, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, I think uh, it's really interesting that you lived in the um, Netherlands, Sasha, and you moved to Luxembourg after that because, well, um, you said that in uh, Utrecht it's kind of a student city, but there's lots of foreigners there and there are lots of foreigners here. Are there any parallels or things that are completely different in Luxembourg and, and the Netherlands that you can think of? Oh, there's so many different things, to be honest. I mean, there are some parallels, but I can easily think of differences. And uh, and I will probably start with the good differences that are better here than in Luxembourg or in in, in Netherlands. So, so it's a social security. True. <laughs> to, 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 to be honest, uh, I think maybe Nordic countries, countries you will find something better, but it's... It's amazing. The system here is amazing. Yes, you do have high salaries, high cost of living. Um, but the good thing is your social security pays for many things. And the, our first experience was with doctors. I, in Ukraine, it's quite common to go to doctors and get a blood test if something hurts. Or, so they want to, you know, do the checkup. Maybe just because they want more money from you or whatever. It's, you know, <laughs> it's a Ukrainian thing. They, they try to give you as many things as much money they can get from you, right? Um, but for the first time in, what I think, five, six years, I get a blood test in Luxembourg, which was perfect to see, you know, where am I doing? In yeah. Netherlands, the the only medicine and remedy from everything is paracetamol. <laughs> and, <laughs> the classic. And yeah, yeah, it's absolutely, I mean, it's a classic. Everyone knows it. Everyone heard it. It's stereotype, but it's true. You can get it like this in, in a supermarket, no? Is yeah, it? paracetamol is widely available, but the point is you come to your GP and um, at least in the past five years ago, they were a bit better. Now I hear from my friends, they're even worse. <laughs> they, but basically the conversation was, you come in, like something hurts here. Um, you know, liver, whatever side you show where, and the doctor should figure it out and ask you questions or push it. And they're like, okay, so what do you think it is? Did you Google symptoms? <laughs> what? Or, or, and, and now it seems like, okay, let's Google it together, you know? <laughs> Which is usually the worst thing to do. 
ever. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's a GP who's supposed to know everything about you, you know, the body and how it functions and everything. So, uh, so blood test rare, um, paracetamol always, and typically, okay, you know what? It doesn't seem like you're dying. So come back in two weeks and we see how it goes. You know? <laughs> Just alive. So social security and you know medicine is much better here. Okay. I, although I've heard a lot of different examples, like people complain, but f- to me, so far all my experience was the like the good one. Yeah. So. Okay, fair enough. Social security, big plus. Uh, social big sec- win for Luxembourg. Yeah. I would so, say. <laughs> I mean, public transport is the probably the negative part. Uh, it it exists, but it doesn't exist. I mean. What, what they it's did, free. Nation hey, branding. But, but, but here's a trick. What, what I think is, I mean, it's not a con- conspiracy theory, but I think it cost them so much money to maintain that thing that it was easier to make it free than, you know, the 20 or 5% that they get from the tickets. We should and, ask that next time we interview a politician. <laughs> so I think it's just a really good move that everyone, and to be honest now, with many Ukrainians coming here, it's such a lifesaver. Uh, the free public transport because, you know, many people are still looking for the job or trying and they only can rely on benefits, which is 300 euros. So if you pay like in Netherlands, um, I know, two, 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 two year age ticket, five year age ticket, uh, it would be a nightmare. So, For sure, for sure. Definitely when you travel different places, you feel the change in uh, the standard of living. Like when I went to London, I was outraged that the transport wasn't free because I was yeah. used to it here and then I have to go there and pay for it. You it have was, to think of buying a ticket. That's for me, that's the most ticket. difficult part. You can't just Forgot enter, you it. have to think of doing it before entering. Yeah, mm, that that as well. That as well. <laughs> so par- parking. I mean, I have a car here, so parking is a bit cheaper. Like petrol cheaper, so that's advantages. In Netherlands, it was a fortune to have any kind of car, and um, the, the like. For instance, even the type of the car it sets you apart from other people because Dutch, what they have, they have the saying "do normal." which is be normal and, you know, don't stand out. So if you buy a bit more premium car or a bit better car than Ford Ka, uh, like two-door 1991, it's like old <laughs> Yeah, you, you'll Google it later. So uh, you stand out and people don't like you because you stand out. So you, okay. you have to do normal. You have to fit into the box where here people are a bit more relaxed and, uh, but they're a bit on other extreme. They like to show off more. Yeah, than you have normal. that here. So, so I... I mean, it's impossible to find the balance, but somewhere in the middle would be nice. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's interesting. Fair you would think that uh, Luxembourg and the Netherlands would have a lot of things in common, but we already saw different spectrums on the showing off yeah. scale, if we if we can say that. How how are people um, how are people with foreigners in the Netherlands compared to here? You would think both very open, right? Um, to be honest, my experience in both countries um, was pretty open. Yeah, I, I haven't been in a deep uh, Luxembourg, <laughs> let's say like this, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's the same in the Netherlands. Where there's some people who are a bit far right and they don't want any you know, foreigners and stuff like that or immigrants or whatever. Uh, so it, you can avoid this. But generally speaking, um, both Luxembourgish and Dutch people are pretty welcoming. At least, at least the young generation, right? Yeah. So, so they're pretty welcoming. Um, we we lived in, we had an apartment in Utrecht, and we had an old lady living next to us, and she was so lovely. And even in her eighties, she would speak English to us as well. So, okay, wow. Um, yeah. So here, also the multilingual society is incredible. It helps. Um, yeah. Yeah, we had quite a good experience. So, so, do you have any Luxembourgish friends now, or do you know people like on a deeper 
level than just working or just meeting in a bar? I, I can say yes. I have a friend. Uh, he it's a person. He's retired. He was my coach during my unemployment period. Uh, I did the program with Adam uh, called Use Your Future, and he was my coach. And then we befriended each other. So so we are good friends. And so I would say yeah, I can consider him as a friend. Um, someone my age. Not so much. Not not that I can think immediately. Okay. <laughs> so probably not. <laughs> I think this gives us a really good transition into something else because you mentioned your coach that you were talking about, and you did a project for Ukraine which involved coaches, and I believe including uh, this uh, man as well. And these coaches helped to uh, helped Ukrainian refugees who were accountants to. Found, find a job here in Luxembourg because they're already very qualified, but they're very qualified in Ukraine and there's a different standard in that. And how was your experience with this um, project? How are the Ukrainian people in, the, in here? Because it must have been a bit of a culture shock for them coming in here. Yeah, for, for many people is generally, not even accountants, generally it's a cultural shock uh, with everything that is done. Uh, you know, I can name many examples. Uh, now that the, the recent conversation I saw, do I need to pay a parking ticket? <laughs> for, for, yeah. Because I have Ukrainian license plate, will I receive? How are they going to get me? And, and there's some people, yeah, you have Ukrainian license plate, they will never find you, so just forget about it. And other people say, what are you doing? You come to a different country, you have to respect the rules. Of course you have to pay the parking ticket. So, <laughs> so of course you have to. Uh, so there's different, you know, cultural shocks for people and stuff like that. Um, so the, the Ukrainian accountants, basically the course was, you know, I was doing the CVs for Ukrainian people. The, the, the first, even the cultural shock is you need a CV okay. to apply for the job. Um, you don't have that? or Not so much. Yeah, uh, most of the people that you speak to, a lot of people are self, self-employed, first of all. So they do services. They're like uh, freelancers, okay. if we call them here. That's not so common uh, here, actually. Yeah. So they're freelancers. They do some maybe electricity jobs or or maybe they do accountancy as well. So they have their own small fiduciary that they themselves. Um, because having a company in Ukraine is a bit more expensive. And most of the companies, what they do is they employ people and they use them as self-employed and they transfer the money. I mean, it's a complicated system, but it's, yeah. it's legal, but it's a compli- complicated to right. explain. So, so a lot of people self-employed. Anyway, uh, and coming here, they're like, oh, we need a CV. <laughs> and first of all, when I was, because I was kind of responsible for this job search, I was saying, yeah, you guys, you need a CV. And everyone like, look at me, bling bling with their eyes. and like, what is CV? It's like okay. I, I like yeah. resume. Ah, okay, resume. Okay, now we get it. So so even the words are different. And there was a few days that I had a lot of accountants and we decided to put the course together uh, because it's one of the most demanded profession in Luxembourg. Yeah. And, you know, you have so much talent that coming in and Could use it. otherwise yeah. wasted, you know. So, yeah. so we put together a trial course. We selected 10 people uh, and we decided to give them a coaching because I know myself, I've been you know, since I was 20s and I made so many mistakes and so many things. So I knew that the coaching will be extremely important. How do you approach the job interview? How do you send the CV? How do you uh, talk to people? What do you wear? What do you, how do you handshake? Uh, because this is, and when I did this, you actually were there. <laughs> I was, <laughs> yes, yeah, I was reporting on that. In fact. For, the, for the opening, yeah. So what I told people in Ukraine, hard skills matter. Soft skills, not so much. Okay. Here you have a lot of emphasis on soft skills because it's rather about, you can teach a monkey to do something, yeah. if you can use that saying, but 
mm-hmm. to to be a better person is depends, right? So soft skills was a big, big like shocker. How you present yourself, how you how you talk, how you look, where you look, uh, how do you think, how do you reply, what do you reply, um, do you ask questions? Because non- Ukrainian people are afraid to look dumb. So when you ask them, do you have questions? They're afraid to look dumb. So they say, no, I understood everything. But in my experience in the past, I've been told if you don't ask questions, then you don't understand. Yeah. Or you don't show enough interest, maybe. Or here. you don't show yeah. enough interest. Yeah. That's correct. True. So. I can confirm that coming from Bulgaria in uh, maybe it's an Eastern European thing. When they ask you, do you have questions? People are inclined to say, no, I understood everything. <laughs> I think yeah. it's a school thing. I think it's a university thing. Yeah. Maybe also what you said about um, qualifications being important rather than soft skills. So yeah. you show that you already know how to do the job. You know. So how many people from the... You had 10 people in the course. How many of them found the job? Uh, five, four, five, four, five people. So, and it was within months. So it was pretty good. I, uh, I'm happy that I met one person on the networking event and he happened to be a partner at Fiduciary. And I said, hey, you know, you have a problem with finding people. Oh yeah, so, so difficult, so <laughs> difficult. Like, ah, and I, like me standing with smile. Oh, I have a train, 10 trained people with Luke's gap and, you know, and these certificates. Um, would you like to have a look? And he took two people to, to his work. So one is a bit more secretary and another one is more accountant. Uh, and then a few people. So I think four for sure. And there were five or six were in process. Confirm or debunk the stereotype. Are you ready for that segment? Are you ready to confirm sure. or debunk? Sure, let's, let's try it. Don't, don't. Let's I'm, I'm curious yeah. what do you have there. So Just so, I randomly googled and I found about, it's not Ukrainians, but expats in general. So we have the Luxembourg Verst, in, which means sausage, like it's a satirical um, yeah, platform. And they had an article about expat confronts neighbor instead of asking expat group for advice. Sorry, but that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, you, you you see a lot of people go into expert groups for advice because they're probably afraid of their neighbors. <laughs> it, might, it depends where you live. I have international neighbors, so for me, it's a bit easier. And uh, my wife was, uh, let's say... Uh, angry at me because I like to get to know my neighbors so I start to talk to people in the elevator and she's like why do you harass people stop harassing people <laughs> so, but like, so you're but, a friendly neighbor in general yeah generally yes that's a good so, thing so, so, yeah. so I would like to ask the neighbor if I can and, but we, we're good friends with our neighbors our neighbors they, they live across us they have four girls Ooh, uh, so oh yeah. and we had New Year's spending us, with us last year so we, we, we're good ones so. so let's switch on the Ukrainian side of stereotypes shall we I did a quick Google search and I've picked out mostly the nice ones but there's some of them that are uh, less flattering so you tell us if that's true or not I'm curious uh, to hear <laughs> mm. so um Ukrainians dress flashy when going out. Thanks, kind of the, the, the women in high heels, uh, fur coats, things like that. Do that's people? correct. That's, that's correct. I mean, fur coats. Yeah, my mom has a fur coat. So, <laughs> and, uh, the, 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 I mean, for, but but to be honest, to be fair, fur is a really good material. I mean, okay, this is, activists will kill me now. Uh, the Greenpeace and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> but you have to understand the winter conditions in the past before the the global warming was a 
big thing that is now um, it's minus 20 uh so uh, yeah i was wearing the scarf all to my eyes and you know i still had the ice on my nose and stuff so so it was really that cold so so okay people who has a bit more money it's a status symbol coming from soviet union um but generally speaking yeah i mean you see it especially in like let's say netherlands for instance when you go out because all dutch people dress the same and this is my negative part from Netherlands, and I like Luxembourg better because people like to dress up. Which is uh, funny because we wouldn't say that as locals. Locals would say that people dress the same here because they like to swim with the. Like, well, maybe yeah. they think dressing the same in the same suits for them is too much. But in Netherlands, not that many people dress up like that. So, so everyone is dressed like me, like sweater, jeans, shirts, and they go out, they go to work. It's like the, the typical style and everyone buys everything in the same shop. Okay, moving on to no, the second stereotype. Uh, Ukrainians are superstitious. Many people in Ukraine will sit down inside their house before leaving for a trip to ensure a good journey. Yeah, there was this thing which I always questioned my parents. What are we doing? Why are we doing this? Like, for what? And the answer was like, just just shut up and sit down, you know? <laughs> so, and, and basically, the, what they were trying to explain me when is like, just to think if you don't forget anything. And to be honest, when I start to live on my own, I did it for the first few times, but then I realized it's such a pointless activity. <laughs> that Please it doesn't... don't listen, parents. <laughs> no, but this is Ukrainian parents. Like, they got something from Soviet Union, never been explained, never questioned. And then here's this new young generation that questions everything being rabble. So I'm talking about myself. It's like, shut up, sit down and just, you know, be quiet for two minutes. <laughs> Stick with the superstitions. Yeah, so so I think my parents, yes, nowadays, my generation, maybe not. Okay, maybe maybe not. I I saw another one which I thought was kind of even stranger than that. I didn't think that one is that strange. But there is one that said whistling indoors is considered disrespectful. Normally, whistling indoors would say what well, my parents would say: if you whistle, you you'll lose your money. So, do okay. you whistle or do you stick to it? I, I can't really whistle. I, I try a bit something with my lips a bit, but it's <laughs> like if I do it first time, it works. Second time, it... so you didn't eat enough carrots. That's what we would say here. Yeah, carrots are good for whistling. My grandparents used to tell me soup is good for red cheeks, and then carrots are good for whistling. So, well, we learned something today, <laughs> I think. And well, I think the next one. Well, let's see. Uh, drinking a lot of alcohol. When Ukrainians have a party, there's always uh, think, or think, a gathering. There's think, always alcohol on the I table. I think it depends. Uh, normally, let's say like Polish weddings has a bit like a lot of stereotype of drinking till four in the morning. And it's confirmed. I went for the first time this summer to my friend. And yeah, that's... And to be honest, comparing to them, my friends who did the wedding a couple of years ago, it was pretty subtle. So... Um, when, when when you're a teenager, yes, you're drunken into soul, yeah. So, uh-huh. <laughs> you would love hot the next morning, exactly. <laughs> By even before the morning, because you, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you would get with the cheapest alcohol and you know somewhere on the street with the friends the group. That that's what we did when we were teenagers. But when you start to grow up and you start to get the first money, a lot of my friends start to switch to craft beers and then whiskey to be a bit more like. Uh, uh, like a gourmand, yeah, taste. And then uh, when they were getting married already, they, they kind of switched to wine. It's one of the highlights of my moving to Luxembourg because I was already into wine a bit uh, before moving here and coming here and discovering the wine region and the wine yards and the wine festivals. It was amazing. And it was like, you know, you buy the glass for 10 euros and then you go around yeah, uh, can taste. To, to taste everything. In Netherlands, it 
every glass costs 10 euros. <laughs> so, so it was like, wow. So then you used to live in Ukraine, you moved when you were 19, around 19, you lived different places, your wife is not from Ukraine, your wife is not from Europe actually. Um, is Do you guys see Luxembourg as your home? Do you go back uh, home for the holidays? It is like, I'm really curious about this, how does home look like in, in your head, collectively maybe? I guess in my family, me and my wife, home is where you are right so uh, even your rental apartment can be home is just as much as you make it i think this is probably the longest we lived in the same place five five years we didn't move so now we have more pictures on the wall because every time i would come to some friends they'll have pictures of their family in the wall they had some items that define like a bit more you can feel a bit more homey so now we're to the point that we also have pictures <laughs> okay. and we kind of we 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 we're a bit still afraid to put the nail, so we put the 3M stickers, right? So, so you can remove them easily. <laughs> so the, the beauty of rental life, right? Um, but it's, it's our home anyway, so we're happy where we are. Mm, I guess the question of familiarity. You I get used so. to it is the thing that makes you feel comfortable because you're used to it and it becomes your home. But you, do you go back to Ukraine for the holidays or do you used to go back to Ukraine for holidays, actually? So here's the thing, yeah. So this is where probably my non-Ukrainian sides come in and my um, breakaway from Ukraine comes in. In the last 12 years, I've been home, maybe I can count on fingers of one hand. So I've been two times for the weddings for three days, uh, even three times for three days for the weddings and one time for 10 days with my wife. The reason for that is... Um, she needs a visa. Oh, true. And it's really difficult to get for Taiwanese because of the China, blah, blah, blah. How did, how did you live, if you want to talk about it, uh, what happened in February with the uh, invasion? Laura and I were wondering before that, was there a Ukrainian community in Luxembourg before uh, the before February, before this yeah, wave? Yeah, I think uh, totally there was like 3,000 Ukrainians living in Luxembourg Ooh, before the war. Wow. Okay. At least if you look at the Facebook group, like there was, and I think it was roughly more or less close because most of the people were without the kids, some maybe with kids, but the 3,000, there was estimate of working and living in Luxembourg, which is, which is good. Uh, with the war, I think 5,000 came. Yeah. Uh, some of them, I think after half a year, they left back home because they were not from the east, but from central or west. Okay. When the, I was calling some people for uh, for the jobs and they were like, ah, we left because our hometown is not affected. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. We're in the west. We're quiet. So we yeah, decided to come back. Yeah, I met people too that went back, even to Kiev. Yeah, even to yeah, Kiev. Yeah. yeah. So I, have, I, have, I have a case where the girl, I was introduced her for a job and she got an offer but, and then she refused because she had a job in Ukraine. Oh, okay. Which, which, which is bizarre because she was so afraid about that job being not stable. Uh, so what they do, what they did, they, they, they imported electric vehicles from China. Okay. Uh, and um, she, she, when I brought her an interview, she was saying, I, I, I'm afraid because, you know, I'm doing this. You know, so she's a business manager for, for the company. And she said, she called her colleagues like, hey, did we sell this car or not? And they say, ah, uh, the guy didn't come yesterday because there was a missile strike. Uh, so he will come today to bring the money. Uh, so she was panicking about this. But in the end, she still chose the job the because... Job, yeah. Yeah, and she she went back here uh, for a visit, and then she stayed. She, I, I was reading the post. She sat in the car, started the key, and then no, I'm staying. Okay, I mean, home is home after all. Uh, I, 
Yeah, yeah that, that, that's what she said. Uh, she, she bought an apartment and she, the life started to go good for her and um, she was happy. Yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. Well, sounds like she just wanted to go back home and who can blame her, really? Seems like, yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, it's a pity, but the, the manager that uh, was offering her a job, he said, yeah, she's a bit too more advanced for this country. <laughs> so, so he said, so, so for her, maybe it's not a pity. For them, it's a pity, but for her, he's, he said, maybe she made the right decision for herself. So. Right then. And since we're chatting about home, I think it's uh, a good time to move to our final question uh, for our chat. And this is a hypothetical one. Uh, so I'm putting in this hypothetical situation. If you were leaving Luxembourg tomorrow, which you're not, but if you were, what is the last place that you would like to visit that you will remember Luxembourg by? Maybe it's your favorite place. It doesn't. It can be time specific or not. It can be the Christmas market. No, 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 can, the Christmas market. Not the Christmas sure. market. I mean, this year is a bit. They did it different. I don't like it. But last year was a bit more more space, more more cozy. Um, I I don't know, but. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is the swimming pool in front of the Vianden Castle. There's open swimming pool opposite the Vianden on the opposite hill. Yeah. And it's like when you sw- it's a public swimming pool, you pay like five, at least used to pay five euros and you're there for the whole day. It's, a, it's like the view on the castle, you lay in the grass, you have a swimming pool, you have a piss pool for the adults. <laughs> where all the boys are jamming and, you know, the, the water by the knees. So, so, so. And then you have regular swimming pool. Uh, but it's so beautiful. That place is amazing. And then I would visit a few uh, wine uh, domains, you call them, in the Moselle, Moselle region. I think that's the... I haven't visited any yet, so... Moselle region is beautiful, especially in autumn when everything is yellow, orange, and all the leaves. And uh, summer, summer is amazing with the wine festivals and everything. So, I mean, the wine that this 2021 is okay. We're not going to talk about quality, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it's uh, it's a bit too young. But but generally, the atmosphere and everything, yeah. I think it's nice. People are nice too because they have the German influence, so they're very welcoming. Also, it's kind of yeah. So I think I think this. Let's say if you ask for one, I. I this is in yeah. two places. Yeah, you have a backup option if the pool is closed. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. See? Uh, okay, then. Excellent. And that just about concludes this episode. Sasha, thanks a lot for your time here, telling us about Ukraine, the Netherlands, and all that. I really <laughs> your appreciate experiences. it. Thank you yeah. for your time as well. I appreciate you having me here and uh, good luck for your rest of your podcast. Thanks. Thank thanks. Thank thanks, you. Laura, for co-hosting this podcast with me. Yeah. And thanks, thanks to, to our listeners as well. <laughs> we'll catch you in a few weeks' time. Until then, take care. Bye. Bye. Luxembourg waffle. Hello again. Head to channel.lu and subscribe. You can also find further information in the show notes.